will take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to be stepping on to a starting place, and then we're going to move away from that starting place. And uh, when we're through, Lord willing, we'll come back to that starting place. I want to talk to you about the subject of marriage. Marriage, according to the Word of God, is honorable. But it's only honorable when it's according to God's law. And uh, we have the example that we can look to when we want to pattern our lives as a husband and wife in a way that will bring honor to that which God calls marriage. And that is when we look to the marriage that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and the faithfulness that we find in Him as He has been so faithful to us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Amen. We are espoused unto Him, and uh, He will be faithful all the way through our lives. And so, therefore, He has given instructions concerning marriage that when we come to know the Lord, we are to pattern our relationship with each other as husbands and wives in a way that would reflect the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I want us to stand as we give reverence to the reading of God's Word. We're going to turn also over to Genesis chapter 2. So We'll look to those two passages of Scripture, and then we will pray after we've read those two passages of Scripture, and then you can be seated. And I want to share somewhat of a testimonial type of message. In verse number one, he says, Would to God that you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as chaste virgins to Christ. But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility to or sub subtleness to your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. For I have committed an offense in abusing myself, 
that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, bless our time together. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I decided to switch course there and have you be seated because I don't know how much time I want to spend over here in Genesis while I'm reading this. And you might, you may get weary in standing. My wife and I started off with a very rocky marriage. And uh, even after I trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, it remained rocky for about three to four years. And then uh, on uh, June, I can't remember the exact date, but in the month of June of 1973, I finally came to my wits end about my problem, about how much I hated my problem, the addiction, the problems that it was causing in my home and in my marriage, and uh, how it was hurting the relationship that I had with the Lord. And so I finally humbled myself before God and said, God, I can't do this. I need your help. And with contrition and a brokenness and a true spirit of genuine repentance, uh, something glorious, something wonderful, something magical happened after years of abusing drugs and alcohol and years of frustrating my wife by this time. We were married in 1969, or pardon me, 1967, and out of the, from 1967 to 1973, there may have been a six or seven months where I wasn't drinking and doing drugs. The rest of the time, I was just a total idiot. And I was finally at that place in my life to where it was destroying our relationship as a husband and wife. My wife hated me because of who I was at that time. She would take lipstick and write on the mirror, I hate you. I'm praying that God will kill you. <laughs> On Wednesday night, her hand would go up and pray for my husband, and the church was praying. And finally, God got a hold of my heart. And I have to say that when he got a hold of my heart, it, I wasn't concerned about my wife. I wasn't concerned about my relationship with my wife. I was not concerned at all about being a godly father or making things right so that I could be a godly father. I was just concerned about my sin and how my sin was destroying me. And I knew that before I could help anyone else, I needed help for Jim Nolan. And so out of pure humility, I just said, Lord, I can't do this. I knew that I could not break free from it. It was a horrible chain of addiction. And uh, when you wake up every morning and you have the shakes until you get that first drink. And then you try to maintain sobriety by popping pills all day long. Back then, we just called them bennies. And uh, 
You're living a life filled with that kind of addiction. And, of course, along with that, you know, you're smoking a couple packs of cigarettes a day because there's something about tobacco and, and bennies and alcohol, whiskey. It all goes together. And uh, nothing like a cigarette when you're high on bennies and you've been drinking. And so when God delivered me, this truth story, no exaggeration, I stopped the smoking, I stopped the drinking, I stopped taking the bennies, I stopped hanging out with everyone. I went to church that Sunday morning, I went forward, I humbled myself before a congregation of people and apologize for being such a horrible testimony to Christ and to the church that I was a member of. I asked there for forgiveness and I asked them to pray for me. Monday morning, when I headed out on my route, I was in uh, a business where I was self-employed. I was headed down toward Escadito on, at that time, the old highway called 395. And I saw this big old billboard sign with Coors beer with, you know, the condensation all over the bottle and everything. And I was surprised that that was not a temptation to me anymore. And I started weeping. I said, Lord, I feel so clean. And I'm free. Thank you. I don't want to ever go back to that again. Of course, that was just a chaser. Uh, I'd like to drink my beer, but I was putting down at least a fifth of whiskey every day. Pint in the morning, pint in the afternoon, and had a cooler full of beer. That's what I did every day. And then I hung out with my friends on the weekend, so my wife didn't see me hardly at all. Just a few hours each night when I came home early enough to say uh, good evening. And that was pretty much our relationship for a good while. And then when uh, God did that magical thing in my heart, all of a sudden I realized what a wonderful blessing God had given to me by giving to me a wonderful wife. And I have to say that I thought I loved her when I married her, but I realized that now that I'm married to the Lord Jesus Christ and having a good relationship with him, that he put a love in my heart for my wife that I never had before. Amen. And not only that, but he put a love in my heart for my children that I never had before. And I, uh, I wanted to be that father God wanted me to be. I wanted to be that husband that God wanted me to be because I fell in love with my Savior. Over here in Genesis chapter 2, and I begin to get a better understanding of this marriage when I, as a young Christian, after fully surrendering my heart and life to the Lord, I begin to understand this passage a lot clearer. And as uh, I uh, understood it more and more, it, it began to break my heart as what I believe God had given to me. We read here in Genesis chapter 2 that 
that when God created Eve, that he put a deep sleep over Adam, and while Adam was sleeping, God created a woman. We read in verse number 21 that the Lord caused this deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while Adam slept, he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. Well, as we read on, we understand the serpent came along and he beguiled Eve, but he did not beguile Adam. Adam understood that that was a tree that they were to stay away from. It was a forbidden fruit that they were not to eat thereof. In my mind, I believe Eve was already tempted and Eve had already transgressed and Adam decided to enter into the same transgression. And I believe the reason Adam did that is because Adam loved his wife so much that he did not want to be separated from her. That he chose death. He chose disobedience. He chose to come under a curse because he loved his wife so much that he chose to die with her. What's interesting is this here is a picture of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus Christ did for us. The first time I began to realize that it, it broke my heart when I but thinking how much Jesus loved me. That he chose to go to that tree. He understood that there was a curse there. He understood that that was a tree of transgression. He understood that he who knew no sin would become sin by going to that tree. And so... He was willing to go there and take that curse upon himself. But because he's greater than the first Adam, Amen. through his blood, he was able to remove us from that curse. And now <clears throat> he seeks to enter into a marriage with us. We understand that a marriage was born out of a man being put to sleep and God opening up his side and God taking out a rib and from that God creating a bride. We understand the church was born, the bride of Christ, by a man going to a cross, by a man's side being opened up. 
and blood being taken from that side. And from the rib cage of Jesus Christ, a church was born. Amen. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us. And now he expects us in our relationship to have a testimony that would reflect the love of Jesus Christ to a world that is lost and going to hell of how much he loves his bride and how much he wants them to be a part of his bride. When we read over there in Ephesians, we get the instructions uh, of what a <clears throat> husband and wife ought to be. But we cannot be that husband and we cannot be that wife unless we allow the mystery of what this passage is all about to sink into our hearts. I would have you to read over in verse number 25 where he says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish, so men to love their wives as their own bodies." He that loveth his wife loveth himself. In verse number 30 he says, For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Amen. The word of God uh, says to the wives over in 1 Peter chapter 3. That wives are to be in subjection to their own husbands. That if any obey not the word. The Bible says they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. What I want you to see is verse number two, while they behold your chaste conversation. The word conversation there, as we understand, is in reference to the way we live our lives, the way we conduct our lives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear. You see, we... <clears throat> that make up the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are the bride right here. And the world needs to behold our chaste conversation. They need to see that, that we have reverence for our husband, that we have respect for our husband. Uh, they need to understand that, that we as his bride not only live a life uh, that gives reverence and respect to our husband, 
but we love him by the way we obey him. I want you to take your Bible and look over at Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and Paul here seems to clarify what I'm saying. He says in verse number 4, he says, Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You see, my life <clears throat> became a different life once Jesus Christ became the husband of my life. I understood that now as his wife, <laughs> I have a responsibility uh, to yield my life to him. I have responsibility. God instructed the wives over there in 1 Peter chapter 3 uh, to submit themselves unto their husbands. And when I read over there in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, that uh, I speak of a great mystery, I speak concerning Christ in the church, I realized that if my marriage is to be the kind of marriage that will bring blessings into our relationship, then I have to have the right kind of relationship with my Savior. I'm espoused unto Him as a chaste bride. And there's just something about when you draw close to Him, the fruit that comes from Him is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. Against such there is no law. And just out of pure love and out of pure appreciation for my Lord, I can't help but love my wife. And I can't help but be kind to her and be gracious to her. And I, I can't get mad at her when she gets frustrated at me. Oh, yeah, I do get irritated, but I don't stay mad. Sometimes she frustrates me to high heavens. She's always right and I'm always wrong. But I've learned to say I'm sorry. You know, there's some words that sometimes are hard to say when you don't know the Lord. Words like, I have sinned. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I love you. Those are words that are easy to say, though, when we have the right relationship with the Lord. Because, you see, the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. 
And love makes a difference. Love can transform a person's life. Love can transform a marriage. Uh, love can make it a marriage that will keep on keeping on. It's only by the grace of God uh, that our marriage has been for 55 years. I give him all the praise. Uh, I can only say to you that it has nothing to do with me or nothing to do with my wife, but it has everything to do with our relationship with our Lord. I've seen it happen time and time again where God's people start backsliding and they drop out of church and they've been involved in a long relationship in the church and in their marriage and now they're no longer in church and they no longer have that relationship with the Lord and then someone says, oh, did you hear about brother and sister so-and-so? No, I haven't. What's going on with them? They, they split up. They're getting a divorce. You see, the only thing that, that keeps our marriage strong is that one person. When I do premarital counseling, I always let them know if you want to have a lasting marriage, it's going to take three. Without that third person, the marriage is not going to be a lasting marriage. Uh, He is the glue that keeps it together. Oh, they may make it lasting, but it won't be the kind of marriage that it could be. You want a thriving relationship. Uh, Draw nigh to him. And when he draws nigh to you, and then you will know the joy of what it is to truly love other people. And how easy it is to forgive, and how easy it is to say, I'm sorry, and how easy it is uh, to say, I love you. But if you don't have that relationship, then you don't know anything about the fruit of his spirit. I shared this with you on Wednesday night, but let's close with this passage of scripture. It's found over in the book of Galatians chapter 5. This morning we talked about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And I like the way the Lord put it, that We've been sealed with the Spirit of Christ in our hearts. (laughs) And when God uh, seals something in your heart, He also seals the blessings uh, that that, uh, come from the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, let me just share with you two verses, two passages of Scripture. Before we go to Galatians 5, just keep your index finger there and go to Romans chapter 5. And notice in Romans chapter 5, he says that we being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So not only so, but we glory in tribulation. 
also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is what, class? It's shed abroad where? By whom? And uh, was the Holy Ghost given unto you? Do you have him abiding in you? Did you notice as you're reading through there, it gives you the same idea of the fruit of the Spirit? Because you have love, joy, peace. You have long-suffering. You have gentleness. You have forgiveness. You have things that can help you and give you patience through trials and tribulation. You see, in a marriage, there are going to be tribulations. There are going to be trials. There are going to be times where we've got to have some patience. There are going to be some things that we're going to experience. But we have hope in knowing that we can work it all out. Because the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that has been given unto us. But in order for that to happen, well, we have to make sure that our daily walk is not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Notice what he says in chapter 5 and verse number 16 of Galatians. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh, or the flesh, excuse me, lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, those are the characteristics of a lost person. We don't have that characteristic. If we had time, we'd go over and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where we understand that, uh, that those things that are in people, uh, they are the people of wrath, and such were some of you. But you have been washed. You have been cleansed. And so, if we're truly saved, we're not going to hang out there. We may stumble into that place, but we get out of there right away because God does give repentance to his children. He does lift us up. Habitual sin that keeps you there is proof that you're not truly saved because the Holy Spirit will not leave you alone about it. And eventually you'll get out of it. And his grace will lift you up once you realize, I want out. He'll give you the grace to get out. Right. 
And once he gives you the grace to get out, then you realize, I don't want to go there anymore. So what do you do? You walk in the Spirit. Because I've been on both sides of the spectrum. And every now and then, I think about the nightmares of going back to that old life. Oh, God, please don't allow that to happen. And I will say this, and that is, I will not say I will never go back there. Because when you say I will never, then you'll probably end up there. I will only say, oh, dear God, by your grace, please keep me from ever going back there. So in verse number 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. But the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, again, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, and so forth. But verse number 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see, each day, in order for my marriage to be a continual lasting marriage... I realize how important it is that I have to walk in the Spirit. Amen. It's so important. Every day I have to say, Jim Nolan, I'm going to die to you. And I want to live for Christ. You see, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away. And all things become new. You want a lasting marriage? So what's the key to a lasting marriage? Well, I just gave it to you. <laughs> Have the right relationship with the Lord. And he is the one that can give you what so many have said. Well, if we don't see that hardly anymore. <laughs> well, we could see a lot more of it. More folks would just be willing to walk in the Spirit. And it's only by the grace of God uh, that... Uh, I'm able to do that. And each day, I have to tap into that grace. Because it's not a perpetual grace. <laughs> uh, it's something that has to be renewed every day by dying to the flesh. And it'll have to go on like that until the Lord takes me out of this old fleshly body. And then once he takes me out, well then I won't have to ask for it anymore. Because I'll be in a body that will never be tempted with sin. Amen. So <clears throat> whether you are involved in a relationship with a husband or wife. You are still involved in a relationship with Christ. You are spoused unto him. When you trusted Jesus to be your savior. You entered into a marriage covenant. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. 
And as a faithful bride, you have a responsibility to allow him to develop you into a chaste bride. And he has given you the spirit to lead you and direct you in the direction he wants you to go. So either way, we're all in it together because we're all brides of the Lord Jesus Christ with every head bowed.